You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope, especially the pick segment. Come on, Lou. Oh, the worst week ever, but uh, we'll, we'll rebound. We'll get it back. But uh, zooming into week 16, uh, fresh off of Monday night as we record here on Tuesday afternoon, uh, the Eagles lose again for the third time in a row. Uh, Jalen Hurts was under the weather, and uh, actually I'm knocking wood right now, so am I. But uh, I'm playing through it just like Jalen did. Didn't work out so well for him last night. Um, During the game, uh, after the game, you know, it was almost like, uh, Alex, you you bear me out on this, but it almost seemed like that game was a microcosm for the season. You know, they started out well. They looked like the most dominant team on the field, at least. Maybe Maybe not the NFL, but on the field. And then they just kind of went to sleep and all, you know, they're not buttoned up. The offense looks, I don't want to say broken, but you know, it's, it could use some repair. The defense isn't any better even after changing the play caller from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. And we can talk about that too, but it just, this doesn't look like the Eagles. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of finger pointing right now. Uh, Jalen hurts, some curious comments and I'll just, I'll chalk it up to him not feeling well. And he was sick, but talking about maybe not everybody being committed, uh, they have to change the way they work. Now he included himself because, you know, he, he's a leader, but, uh, there's some curious comments there. Uh, but I think it comes right down to it. You lose Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon two what looks like two head coaches that are, probably going to work Gannon, you know, jury still out, but certainly Steichen's got that team rolling. I don't know, Alex, I mean, a lot going on with the Eagles. I mean, can you put your finger on it? What, do, what do they got to do to turn this around? Jalen hurts is just not a hundred percent healthy. That's what it comes. This down is to. outside of the illness that he has, right? I mean, that's yours. I mean, it's the, the leg and correct. He, he just doesn't look the same low when he's, Stepping back in there in the pocket and trying to throw, it looks a bit unorthodox. I mean, it seems like he's overcompensating a little bit Part in the running. I mean, I'm not saying he's not running, but what I'm saying is it just it doesn't look the same. Um, he is certainly hesitating a little bit more. I just think... Wouldn't it be better if they just sit him maybe for a game or two? <laughs> you chan- let him channeling your inner David Carr. God, he caught some hell for even suggesting that a few weeks ago. <laughs> Aren't you like maybe? I mean, I, it doesn't look good right now. Something's up. This is basically the same team in, in terms of the personnel, like the the offense and the defense, and and they added obviously DeAndre Swift. I just think as far as players are concerned, it's the same personnel. And don't you want to be healthy for the stretch run, for the playoffs? I mean, that's what it, what matters right now. I know they're not going to do it. They're in pursuit of the NFC East division. The Cowboys, 
the Cowboys lost last week. So obviously, you know, they're they're both teams are fighting for for the division lead uh, to to get that, you know, home field advantage in the first round. But I mean, like you said, Philadelphia just doesn't look the same. Ever since the 49ers game, the last 3 games, Philadelphia has failed to score even 20 points. I mean, that's ridiculous. And they've been outscored by more than 35 points in the last 3 games. So uh, and what is it like? They allowed 70. I, I'm looking at this like at the numbers. They allowed 75 points combined in losses to the 49ers and the Cowboys. This week, it was better. I mean, the, the result was what? 20 points well, they were They were the playing. Seahawks. They were playing. So Drew maybe. Locke, so. Yeah. Failed to score even 20 points. Yeah, I mean, they not, were. Nothing against Drew Locke, but Josh Allen versus, you know, that 49ers offense, Brock Purdy, the whole thing. I get it, but they shouldn't be giving up that many points. And it, it's a very curious case. When have we seen a guy getting promoted almost like at the end of the season this, yeah, to this take late. over yeah. for the defensive coordinator? That's really able to score even 20 points. Thing like a head coach taking over the play calling duties or a head coach right. taking over the defense, right? But here you're promoting a guy that has failed for the last, I don't know, five or six years. He hasn't done anything. I think he's ruined more people and more players. <clears throat> and, you know, he certainly ruined Mac Jones. And I just think that like what what are you doing switching out here and that just shows the chaos 20 points the the philadelphia eagles building because i haven't i don't remember the last time that a guy got relieved of his duties without getting fired okay and that's what the eagles decided right. to do and, and worked against the seahawks in the beginning, it certainly worked almost till the end, but then, you know, Drew Locke, of all people, had some magic there. In the yeah, 92-yard drive, under two minutes. Huge plays by DK Metcalf. You can't understate that. I mean, he did make him look good, but he had two just brilliant throws. Obviously, the touchdown pass to uh, JSN at the end for the the game. Well, it turns out to be the game winner. And then the long one on the sideline, third and 10, contested catch. DK goes up and basically takes it away from two Philadelphia defenders. And you just can't put – you know, you really – you can't measure the value of having a guy like that at the other end of the ball because, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, you, that's picked off. That's going to get picked off. Right. You, but your guy is just bigger, stronger, and he can jump higher and run faster than the other guys. And that's, that, that's where the X receiver makes his money. And that was, that was just a beautiful thing. But, you know, a few years back i mean i don't know sirianni this isn't something new uh when he first got the job he was the offensive play caller and it really you know was kind of like eh, hit and miss when he gave it over to shane steichen that's when this team really started to kind of take off and, and they you know they they got into the playoffs now they did lose down in tampa to tom brady but you know, then come that following year, and all of a sudden this team is a juggernaut. Jalen Hurts looks like a superstar. And I'm not saying that it's all on the offensive coordinator, but you lose a couple. I mean, you got to give the head coach 
I, I guess, great kudos for putting together a tremendous staff. But when you lose those guys, you know, unless you're bringing in some seasoned veterans, it's going to, I guess at a certain point, it's going to get a little clunky. Now, you would hope by this time of the season that they would have that stuff ironed out because right now, outside of the brotherly shove, which is still undefeated, it, they're, they're really not doing anything well. They do they do run it on occasion fairly well with Swift and Gainwell, but then they get away from it. And you can see, even on that last pass, he didn't need to throw that. Talking about Jalen Hurts. He kind of forced that. They had plenty of time. They had timeouts. They're in the middle of the field. You just got to get into field goal range to, you know, to to go to overtime. But maybe he was just feeling so sick. He's like, I just want to get the hell out of here. Let's get a touchdown and 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 leave, or it gets picked up. But Julian Love made it made a tremendous play on that, keeping his feet in. That was just uh, for Seattle's sake, you know, a season saving game. Uh, Drew Luck extremely emotional after the game talking to uh talking to elisa salters from uh from espn after the game and you could just tell it was like you know i didn't know if this was ever going to happen again was ever going to play and get to make a few plays but it was uh it was a very interesting way to cap off uh week 15 it was entertaining but eagles man this i now the saving grace is They've got three games left, two against the Giants and one against the Arizona Cardinals. So if they can get right, you hope, you know, they've got the right, uh, they certainly have the right opponents to kind of get things straightened out to a degree, but then you're still kind of, I think, uh, I don't know, still not quite sure of yourself because again, you're so quote unquote getting right against very lesser opponents. So it's going to be interesting move, moving into the playoffs, but uh, yeah, can't understate that or overstate that enough. Steichen and Gannon losing those guys, I think, has made a huge difference. All right, MVP of the league. This is a very hot topic. Uh, no one seems to have separated themselves, or at least that's what they would like you to think. Uh, I think in certain corners that it's very clear cut. Alex, I think you're in that corner. Let us have it. Yeah, it has to be Brock Purdy now. After Dak Prescott laid an egg against the Buffalo Bills, I just think Brock Purdy is the clear-cut favorite right now. I would love to give it to Christian McCaffrey. Don't get me wrong, okay? And I think Tyreek Hill, before that injury, also deserved to be in the running. But we know that White will no longer have... A chance for this MVP award. So, you know, Brock Purdy almost has 3,800 yards. He's thrown four, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Mr. Efficient. I know he played against Arizona, but he threw for four touchdowns and was just, you know, he could have thrown for more if they wanted to run up that score. Uh, it's just, you know, he's doing, he's taking care of the folk. He knows he's confident. He knows what he wants to do, and it's just you, you got to give it to him. And I, I can't see anybody else walking away with this award just because you know I think 49ers have winnable games down the stretch, and he's going to continue this. So Cam Newton, you can talk about you know Brock Purdy being a game manager, 
But I think he's going to come away with that MVP like you did back in the day. Yeah, that whole game manager thing just gets overplayed. You have to be, I mean, I, I and I think he came out and I guess after the fact kind of like re-explained himself and th- th- just being a game manager doesn't necessarily mean that <clears throat> you can't make all the plays, but, but he was trying to separate like himself and some other guys as being uh, uh game changers versus a game manager where again he kind of runs that offense and he runs it to a t right it's it's easy to say well he's got all these weapons well the bottom line is you got to be able to deliver the ball on time and get it there i mean it's it (laughs) if it were that simple there'd be a bunch of teams out there rolling up tons of points and scoring wouldn't be as 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 down as it is in the league this year so you got to give them props for that the statistics are there i think you know to play devil's advocate i guess the contingent that would say it's not purdy is that he is kind of a victim of how great those other guys are. And you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, who is Superman. And that's, if there's any year, I think that a non-quarterback can win MVP, it's this year. And all due respect to Brock Purdy and what he's done, and it's terrific, and he probably deserves it. But again, these are human beings, and it's like they can't get themselves to the point to say, this guy is the best player in the league this year, right? I think you're going to see if if the Ravens continue their march towards what looks like is inevitably the, the number one seed. Now they got you know obviously they're going head to head this weekend, so that that might that might uh, tell the tale, you know. Actually, and it's not fair, but it, it actually might because they're on the same field together. Lamar doesn't have the statistics. He doesn't have the numbers. But I think if you just watch the Ravens play and how they play, they're not going anywhere. If he's if, if he's not the he's not pulling the trigger, he's not running the ball every game. He makes at least one or two plays that make you say, like, how in the what? You know, and, and even like the Monday night. Again, statistically, it was like, eh, whatever. I mean, he threw for, I think he threw for over, you know, under 200 yards. He ran for almost 100. I think he only accounted for one touchdown. But if you're watching that game as just a football purist, you're saying he's the best player on the field. He's not just the best player on the field. He makes his guys better. And I think, and because he's won it before, and he has a name, and we know him to be this dynamic athlete. I think that's again, it shouldn't, but I think that's going to weigh heavily towards people that are saying, "Okay, is it really Brock Purdy?" I, again, Alex. I mean, I, I hate to say that about the kid, but I think he kind of loses that because he's he is so mild mannered, he is so unassuming. It is, it almost seems robotic, but. I, Again, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, hey, if he comes out and he puts on another clinic against the Ravens and that defense, maybe this is the one where he's saying, okay, I, I faced all these other guys, I beat the crap out of them, and now you have no choice but to give it to me. Well, Lamar still has the rushing numbers this year, but I don't like, like, if we look at the numbers, Lou, 
His passing numbers aren't no, all no, that impressive. No, they're not. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Statistically, it's not even close. Are we just going to give it to him just because they're the best team in the AFC? I mean, what are we what are we doing? Well, because here? well, we're saying he they're the best team in the AFC because of him. Is is what I'm saying is that you look at the Niners team and you can make a case for McCaffrey being the MVP himself. If you I don't is there anybody else on Baltimore's team you can say is um I mean, they're really good and they got some good defensive players, but offensively you got a bunch of guys, right? Our guy, the gorilla, Isaiah Likely, I mean, he's starting to make some plays. Uh, Bateman, you know, occasionally. Uh, Keaton, uh, Keaton, was it Keaton Williams, a guy from uh, from uh, East Carolina? He, he Keaton Mitchell, Mitchell yeah, Mitchell. blows out his knee. So, I mean, and you just feel badly. Every year it seems like they're running backs. or It's like a mash unit. J.K. Dobbins, I Christ, I mean, the guy seems like he's been in the league for six years. He's played like eight games. So it's just it, – it, it's hard to look at that, that team and say that if you – again, I, this is a weird – I don't think this is the best way to look at it. But if you took him off of that team, yeah, they're good, but he makes them special. I think that's the if, – if you're making a case or if you've got voters and they're making a case – for if it is in fact Lamar versus Purdy, that would be Lamar's case. Is that he lifts that team more than Purdy lifts his team? I think if Purdy is not playing for some reason, if Sam Darnold is there, I don't think the 49ers would have the same record. Kyle Shanahan would make it, and I'm sure Darnold it would certainly will play look okay. Different. Yeah. But I don't think that they were they will be clicking the way they are right now. And I don't think they would win quite as many games. So I'll stick up for Brock Birdie out here. You can make the same case for Joe Montana. Should Joe Montana win those two MVP awards low, like 89 and 90, I think, because he had Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Roger Craig. I mean, if you take Montana away from that offense, well, another quarterback, would he do just as good? Because Bill Walsh also, you know, at that time had an offense that, you know, had had it clicking, everybody. So, yeah, just I'll stick up for Brock Purdy because to me, right now, he's the clear-cut front runner. But I guess we'll see what happens this week because that should be a very, very interesting matchup. And I guess after that, I think we're going to – we can settle this debate next week. Yeah, and I don't know that – and I don't even know that if we can then, <laughs> excuse me, quite frankly, just because if I was voting – and again, I would, we still got some, some runway to go here. If I was voting today, I might say Purdy wins it. But I believe that if Baltimore closes the deal and gets the number one seed in the AFC where, where the expectations were, well, maybe it was going to be Buffalo or Cincinnati or Kansas City. Uh, hell, even Jacksonville at a certain point, we're talking, well, hey, can they get the number one seed? And he kind of finishes it off it's hard to go against them and again and it's more name recognition and everything else i get it on paper that that shouldn't be one of the criteria but again you've got human beings voting on this there's no criteria that says okay if this if this player has whatever 
uh, 50% more passing yards and 20% more touchdowns. And his team is, is the number one seed as well. And then he gets it. There's, there's no clear cut. So that's what I'm saying is that you kind of have that kind of intangible factor of just, I think Lamar's aura that has been around for a while and he's a known commodity. And all of a sudden he does this with this team and he lifts them up. So anyway, yeah, we'll Don't you think, don't you think that in five years listening to this episode, both feel a lot different about Brock Purdy when he's already won a couple of Super Bowls. Maybe it's like a whole Tom Brady conversation, right? This kid got drafted at the end and here here is his rise, you know, to stardom. So I just think like right now we're having a conversation about a guy that has only started for like one (laughs) season, right? Uh, That got injured. You know, he's got question marks, right? People are still questioning him in his second year. But if he wins, if he wins the Super Bowl, wins this MVP, uh, in five years, we might be talking about this guy winning multiple MVPs, right? Because right now, Brock Purdy isn't getting the respect. But, you know, I think we'll feel differently in in the year 2020. We may have talked about this last week, but I think more like Kurt Warner. You know, because he was kind of he was undrafted. He was last drafted. But, you know, he's not similar in stature and some of the things are different. But you're kind of dropped into this team that has all these weapons and he's making it work and he's making it work in a big way. So, uh, yeah, that could very well happen. And for, you know, San Francisco's sake, you don't you don't really see anything changing. The only thing that I could see changing that is that in two well yeah like in two years if he is if he's if he is the player that we think he is now all of a sudden you're paying him 60 million dollars a year you know which of these avengers or justice league uh, you know uh players on the team have to go by the wayside so again it's a yeah, it's fascinating to think about and, and to kind of project. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it, it's a tremendous story and it just you can't say enough. I think it's more a lot of it is a lot of disbelief as well. Right. I mean, just people just not believing. How is this possible? Why? How in the hell did everybody miss on this guy? Why is he so good? Is it is it? And so then the questions come up. Is it Shanahan? Is it this? Is it that? You know, you know, story goes and. I can't remember where I read or, or heard this, but, you know, Brian Greasy was doing games for ABC and, you know, they, he did some Iowa state games and he watched, you know, he watched him play. He had a close relationship with Matt Campbell, you know, through production meetings and everything else. And, you know, the conversations they had about Brock Purdy. And I think that had a lot of influence, you know, on, on greasy thinking, Hey, this guy can do it. Now I don't know what kind of voice he had, you know, in the, uh, in the draft room or what kind of influence he had with them picking him. But again, it was the last pick of the draft. So maybe it was like, okay, Brian, we'll give you a bone. Let's go. Let's, let's roll the dice here. So uh, that'll be part of the movie too. So Brian Grease, get get a little love. Uh, Okay. South divisions, both conferences uh, turning into be kind of like who wants that uh, division title. Uh, It's up for grabs in all, in both of them. 
Uh, Jacksonville seemed to have a lock on it a few weeks ago, talking about them maybe getting the number one seed, as I mentioned earlier. And here we are three losses later, and they are tied with Indianapolis and Houston. Uh, they've got the tiebreakers at, at, at this point, but obviously those two teams breathing down their throat. Uh, Tampa Bay, huge win, huge day for Baker in Lambeau Field. Uh, one of the only uh, perfect passer ratings there ever, and that's uh, that's a big statement in that uh, those hallowed grounds, if you would. But uh, yeah, you've got uh, the Falcons who are just. I don't know. I still can't explain what the hell Arthur Smith is doing with those with those uh, all those number one picks on offense, and they just can't get it right. New Orleans seven and seven, but now Tampa has the tiebreaker; they're in first place. So the question begs: Who's going to win these divisions? Alex, we'll give you the floor. Let's do it. I don't know. I mean, it's that, look, <coughs> let's start with the NFC South, right? Um, the Falcons just gave that game away. I mean, how can you score seven points against the worst team in football, the Carolina Panthers? I just don't get it. And how can Desmond Ritter throw that pick in the red zone that propelled the Carolina Panthers to drive the length of the field and to get that field goal? I just don't understand. I agree with you with Arthur Smith. Like, he has this pull, Lou. I mean, he. I, I'm sure he was... Banging on the table to get Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson. So how are you not riding this rookie running back to the ground? Why are you giving the ball to Tyson Algier to start the game? Is that some kind of a punishment? Discipline? Bijan to drive the length of the field. John Robinson fumbled the ball later on in the game, but he wasn't out there like for the first drive, you know? I don't get it. Like, why do you draft a running back with the eighth overall pick if you're not going to ride him into the ground, you know, his first three or four seasons of his career? I mean, he's a young guy. So I think Arthur Smith is just in over his head. Today, we get news that Taylor Heineke is, is going to start again. Ritter, so the, the length of the field. Falcons are desperate. I think he lost both games that he started this season. So... Uh, that should be interesting. But the schedule kind of, the schedule favors the Falcons a bit. They they're, they play Indianapolis at home, and then they're at the Bears and at the Saints. I think, you know, it favors them. The New, New Orleans Saints are just a mess. I, I, I don't know. I can't imagine, like, Derek Carr in that defense, the length of the field, sneaking into the playoffs. So... I want to go with the Falcons, Lou. I just want to say, like, I want to go with the Falcons. I have a soft spot for the Falcons, but I think it's I think it's going to be the Bucks and Baker for for the second straight year. I just uh, it just it seems that way at this point. Yeah, I have to eat some crow here at the beginning of the year. You know, we were suiting him up for a prime spot in the in the Big Twelve Network or SEC. <laughs> or or whatever and he would be crushing it but uh he's having a he's having a, a pretty good year and not just by his standard but just anybody's standard so he's he's making a case to stick around um i got to believe they want him they want him back especially if they win the division and right now i mean that they've got the best quarterbacking situation of the three teams uh, I don't know how much you take 
from the Saints winning that game against the Giants. Uh, you know, this past weekend, they did their job. They won the game 24 to 6. But uh, again, the Giants, it's been a great story with Tommy DeVito and our friend from the uh, earlier year, earlier, uh, I guess a couple of years ago, Sean Stellato, the agent, who, by the way, was voted into the Italian American uh, Sports Hall of Fame earlier in the week. And, uh, Good morning, football's uh, Peter Schrager's been really pushing Sean. <laughs> I guess he's been a friend of Sean's for a while, and uh, he's kind of like pushed this narrative. But just like any big story, and again, I, I hate to go off on a tangent here, but now word comes out. Again, I don't think the, the fans are going to sour on Tommy, but evidently there's a pizzeria that was supposed to get an appearance. At some point, Sean doubled the appearance fee, and they said, screw it. So maybe a little shine is, is off of that, uh, that that doorknob or whatever the hell you want to call it. But uh, anyway, yeah, so I still think Baker's the best quarterback right now going down the stretch. So regardless of who these teams play, uh, I think I'm siding with Baker here, and I've done him 180 here. So uh, let's go. I mean, they still have Godwin. They still have – Evans, Rashad White's quietly having a great season. Yeah, defense is playing well enough. Uh, I think they have, uh, they're at home this week against Jacksonville, who's reeling. So, yeah, I mean, the Bucks looking good. On the AFC side, I mean, you know, you get Gardner. Hopefully, C.J. Stroud is ready to go after the concussion, but that, you know, you never know how long that those symptoms could linger. Uh, we'll see if he plays this weekend. Case Keenum came in and was able to get that team across the finish line in overtime. And Jacksonville is just uh, just a mystery to me. I, I really like their team. Uh, defense is, seems to be functioning pretty well. But uh, offensively, the other night they had so many opportunities and, and Trevor Lawrence like inexplicably you know, fumbling on a couple occasions. Uh, they screw up at the end of the half. Jesus, it took me back to the uh, AFC championship game where the Chiefs tried that with uh, Tyree Kill. I mean, there wasn't a spike spike or whatever situation, but, you know, they throw it out in the flat. And it's like, OK, if he gets tackled, we're done. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, that's just a tough one. You'd have to right now, Indian go with Shane Steichen, who seems to have that team believing on both sides of the ball. And uh, maybe we go with the horseshoe, the lucky horseshoe and, uh, and Baker. Let's roll. I'm going to go with the Jags still. Yeah. I, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to play this week. He's weekend. in the concussion He's protocol. Concussion so protocol. CJ Beathard. So you don't know that, but I'm still going to go with them because they have the offense. They've got Ingram. They've got Calvin Ridley. Trevor Lawrence isn't playing too well. I agree with you. Like the past couple of weeks, He's throwing picks, he's fumbling the ball, he's taking sacks. Uh, the clock management at the end of the at the end of the half, the first half was kind of atrocious, but I, I would say it's probably on him and the coaching staff and they just they didn't get any points on the board. So uh, that was kind of interesting in that regard. but I'll still go with the Jaguars. I'm, I'm stubbornly, you know, taking that pick just because I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, Low In the beginning of the season, I picked the Jaguars to get to the Super Bowl and lose to my 49ers. So I have to stick to my guns, and they're still in the thick of this race. I think they're going to get it done. I think they're going to be a very dangerous team 
once they get into the playoffs because that defense has been playing well. And I think Lawrence will... I'm, I'm stubborn on the stretch if they get into the playoffs. So last week at this time, we are talking about uh, what seemed inevitable for the entire season that uh, Brandon Staley was was not long for that job. And whatever, 15 weeks in and just a complete undressing. I don't know if the team quit, whatever, but the Raiders hung 42 on them in the first half. They're playing Easton Stick because Herbert was injured, you know, had surgery on his finger. And it's just a complete meltdown, ugly, no choice. And finally, the last straw for the Spanos family. So here we are, you know, Carolina job is open, of course. And um, interestingly, or ironically, Kellen Moore was a finalist for that job last year. So maybe Tepper rolls the dice with him. I mean, he has no problem paying coaches to not coach. So what What the hell? Uh, but in, in, as far as the Chargers are concerned, where do they go? Seriously, I mean, you may, I mean, some of these names that have been associated with them may not be available. I mean, you've heard people talk about Belichick going out there. I just, I just don't see him going to LA. I, I, I just, I'm just not feeling that. Harbaugh would probably be the perfect fit uh, because of what he was able to do with the, with the young quarterbacks wherever he's been, whether it be Andrew Luck at Stanford or uh, Colin Kaepernick and, and uh, Alex Smith in San Francisco. Uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy, you know, say what you will. I don't know how much he involvement he has, but he played the position himself and he's a pretty high level coach. So I think that that part would be good. You know, he's going to hire a top notch staff. You know, the team's going to be physical and tough. And it's just wherever he's gone, it works somehow, some way. Say what you will. He's a little odd, whatever. He, to me, would be the perfect fit there. Uh, you've got other names of the Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator in uh, in Detroit, seems to be a name that was kind of hot last year. He took his name out of the running. You know, it was Dan Quinn. Did they go the defensive route again because they kind of did that with Brandon Staley? But I think Dan Quinn's got a little bit more pelts on the wall in terms of some success in this league. So maybe that would give him a leg up. I don't know, but it it just seems horrible right now, and it seems like a good job. You got some talent there. Salary cap might not be so cool. Uh, you're gonna have a high pick, so that that's another that's another positive. You got quarterback taken care of. I think left tackle, you're good. You got some rushers. Uh, you might have one or two decent DBs left over. A couple good young linebackers. I mean. I, yeah, this is a good job, don't you think? I mean, outside of the Spanos family not wanting to spend money, but maybe this is the time they say, you know what, let's just get the best guy possible, and, and hopefully that works because all these other Band-Aids and whatever haven't. This is the best job out there as far as I'm concerned. You know why? Because they have a quarterback, Lou, and I think I've stated this over and over again. Yeah? You have a proven guy that has all the talent in the world. But why do you think Harbaugh will go there? So you think, and these are your words, yeah. Lou. You say that the Chargers never pay anybody. That's their history, right? They, they always you know, bring in the head coaches that they accept in terms of salary. Harbaugh is going to well, demand. Well, the last few, since the, since the Spanos, I guess, kids have taken over. I mean, Alex Spanos, he 
patriarch. I mean, he was, I don't know that he really spent, I mean, he brought Schottenheimer in and some other coaches. So why would they spend on Harbaugh? Because Harbaugh is going to cost them right. a lot of money and he would want all the power in the world. It's almost like Belichick out the same salary. And if you, if he's willing to leave Michigan, Somebody is going to have to splurge, and you feel that the Chargers never do that. So I think it right. They would have to certain, eliminate would those cer- top two cer- guys. Certainly right? be a you know off brand, but with the with the kind of blow ups with the last two guys, with Anthony Lynn and then Brandon Staley, maybe they're finally like you know what? I mean, if we if we truly want to win and want to give this kid the best chance to be what we think he can be, because Christ, we paid him. Let's get him the right guy. So, I, again, that it's off-brand, but I think maybe this is the time they say, we got to do this. I think Belichick is the top <clears throat> guy here, but they have to trade for him. I don't think the Patriots are just going to let money, him same, go. Kraft would want to get some compensation. Money, though, right? Uh, I think, same money as Harbaugh, pretty close. I don't think a first-round pick, but I think a second-round pick would do it. Um, Harbaugh, it's a lot of money, but he would also be a logical choice for me. But if we say that those two guys are out because of the money issues, I'm going to say Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn can keep Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator, so you don't have to change anything there. They worked with the Dallas Cowboys together for a few years. So I think with the success that D'Amico Ryans is having, with the Houston Texans, and he kind of was able to turn that defense around and make them a lot better. I see more teams, and we've talked about this in the past, right, that teams favor an offensive coach. But if you have a quarterback there and you and defense is your problem, it would make sense to bring a defensive coach like Dan Quinn that was able to just transform the Dallas Cowboys <coughs> defense in a matter of, you know, an off season. So I would, I'm pulling for Dan Quinn here. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm pulling for defensive coaches this off season a lot more than I did before, just because of the success that the Houston Texans are having. Yeah, that's, it's going to be interesting because they, you know, there's so many different ways this can go. Uh, that certainly would, would make sense as well. The other piece is, and I don't know if teams look at it this way, but a lot of times, if the head coach is kind of a comes from the offensive side of the ball, whether it be the play caller or just play designer, whatever you, however you want to do it, typically you pay them, and you've got some control. Whereas if you bring in an offensive, all of a sudden, if the offensive coordinator looks like the next big thing, you're going to lose them, right? So, you know, maybe, you know, this is a little bit more playing chess versus checkers. I, you know, I don't know if, you know, if, if uh, owners think that way, but if they, they kind of look at trends and, you know, who's successful, how many defensive, ex-defensive coordinators who are head coaches, you know, how many of those guys are, are leading teams to the playoffs, uh, who's going farther in the playoffs, who's winning Super Bowls, you know, if they look at it that way, I think, that's what kind of favors the offensive guy. Um, you look at uh, you know the, the Steelers right now, where it seems like th- if the wheels were ever on, they certainly seem to be coming off because it's not only the product on the field, 
but it almost seems like now, you know, they, they're another one of the teams that made a change at coordinator, you know, mid season, and it really hasn't made a difference. So, you know, sometimes it really is about the Jimmy's and the Joe's not the X's and the O's uh, and whether it's, you know, Pickens and, and, and kind of his background and the, you know, the Steelers, you know, in their history have had so many times where they've taken kind of like these guys with some like attitude issues and they figure, well, Tomlin will get them in line. And for the most part he does, but then eventually it blows up. I mean, we've seen it, Le'Veon Bell, we've seen it with, with AB and a bunch of players. And now pick it's Pickens term where he's, he's quitting on blocks is this, that the other, they don't have a quarterback that can deliver the ball. I think they're going to Mason Rudolph. Now, is this the white flag? Steelers usually go young in my lifetime. I mean, I've been, I've been watching football for over 50 years. They've had three coaches. When I started watching, it was Chuck Knoll. And when they brought him in, he was kind of a name that I guess you were aware of. He played in the league. He coached under Paul Brown. So they bring in Chuck Knoll. They were a hapless team. They were, I think, one in 13. They used to play 14 games. You know, when he came in, I think even the first couple of years, they were awful until they got Bradshaw in there. And then there was a couple more years. They get rolling. Hall of Fame coach. All right. So now you bring in another kind of, I don't know if he was that young, but he was kind of young. Defensive coordinator with the Chiefs under Marty Schottenheimer, Bill Cower. Bang. All right. They start right away. Successful. Okay. And then Tomlin. Tomlin, I think, um, was he the D.C. in Tampa at that time? He may have still been a position coach or Minnesota because he was with Dungy. And he was either went from Tampa to Minnesota or Minnesota to Tampa, one way or the other. I think he was a secondary right. coach. So he was time, defensive he? back, whatever, coached with like Herm Edwards on that on that Dungy staff. And D- Dungy was the defensive coordinator in Minnesota. And I think he brought a bunch of those guys to Tampa. So that it was that's kind of the the chronology of that. But again, Tomlin was kind of a guy who's like, wow, who? You know, like when they hired him, I guess he came in the interview and he just blew them away. Uh, now, ironically, maybe it was a Rooney rule type situation and he just blew them away so i'm looking again this might be a little bit out of the box i don't know you know if he's got like head coaching i guess uh chutzpah or pedigree whatever you want to call it but right now and again this would be like really really unlikely because it's within the division but there's a young guy the defensive coordinator for the baltimore ravens he's 36 years old mike mcdonald that uh, kind of came up through the ranks at, at Georgia, played at Georgia, then was an, an assistant, coached like high school football for a while in Georgia. But then he was an assistant there, kind of came up through the ranks and goes and, and he's like on uh, John Harbaugh's staff for an extended period of time. And then they kind of loaned him out to Jim Harbaugh for a year at Michigan. And all of a sudden, defense is like, whoa, hey, you know, this guy. And then he goes back to Baltimore. And now he's leading this defense again. Could this be that no-name guy that is going to be the, the Steelers coach for the next 15 years? Baltimore would probably do everything in their power not to let that happen. That would be the last team they'd want to let him interview with. But I was just looking at this kid and just kind of what he's done in a short period of time. And it's kind of that unexpected candidate 
that fits the bill and is kind of in the Steeler mold that it's going to be a defensive team. And maybe he brings in a, you know, a better offensive coordinator and they find a new quarterback. I don't think Kenny Pickett is really going to be the guy. If he is, they're going to need, you know, a lot of help on the offensive side of the ball, especially the offensive line so they can run it better. Uh, but I don't know. I think Mike McDonald, but again, this other than his age, wouldn't this be like this, the perfect Steeler thing to do was to, would be like Jim Harbaugh being the coach there and being the same division as his brother when that, that would be, that would be amazing to watch. Never going to happen, but that would be so cool. I don't think they can block him. Can they? I mean, I, if he's going to go in for an interview. He's going to go there. The, and I the think only McDonald's- thing they could do is they could promote him to D.C. assistant head coach. Now, I don't know if he has that title. I don't think he has that title right now, but that would be the only thing, and they'd probably have to pay him a hell of a lot more money for sure. Well, if he doesn't get a job with the Ravens, if he doesn't get hired there, this guy is going to be a hot commodity. It looks that (laughs) way because he has has transformed that that Ravens defense and I think he's going to be on everybody's I just hot don't list. think these he's going I to have a lot think of teams or I mean outside of like the Steeler like a known brand are going to the defensive side of the ball I just I'm, I'm not feeling it, it, it just, I actually think that a lot more teams are going to go with the defensive head coach this off because there're going to be a lot of jobs open how yeah. many 8 10 we've already had like a couple of guys lose their jobs right with the panthers the panther panthers Frank and Wright, the chargers and, and now you know, uh you gotta believe right and i actually think i actually think that the way it's heading right now it could be like seven or eight more guys that lose their job well, you gotta believe the, the command the, the commander's job is going to be open okay so we've got the commanders i think the falcons job is going to be open certainly certainly under consideration for sure i feel that way i think the the way the steelers are collapsing yeah the steelers i mean that's the raider the raiders i mean no question about it you know i mean it is open it's just a matter of you know do they do they like antonio pierce or you know the whole Bisaccia mess up from last time is the Bears, Lou. The Bears are still going to make a change. Absolutely, the Bears yep. are going to make a change. No question about yep. it. The Patriots, Lou. The Patriots are going to make a move. Okay, there's been a lot of whispers, but it has to be the Patriots yeah. as well. That's six already. They might lean defense too. I mean, Gerard and you know Mayo, what? Gerard Mayo is there, but. It, it, this is a you know, this is new ground, but we haven't seen it in over twenty years. So let's see what uh, the crafts come up with. And you know what? If the Patriots let go of Bill Belichick, Jared Mayo looks like the logical choice. But I think Kraft is going to go after a right pick that he gets from whoever. He's going to just swap it bring him to home. the Titans and bring him home. I just think yeah. that, that that's going to be the move. I, I don't think they will go with Mayo as their next head coach. And, 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 then, know, and, the, and then the Titans so job. The Titans the job Titans might job open, open up. <laughs> so that would be seven. That's going to be seven. But do you think... Do you think the Steelers will break the mold, Lou, and go with an offensive coach? You know, it's really hard to say because the history is so limited. And the last three guys and the last three guys have been like the last, I don't know, 50 years. 
they've all been defensive coaches, you know, and that was their, that was their calling card is we're going to have a great defense. We're going to run the ball. We're going to have a playmaker quarterback that, you know, we'll ask them five, six times a game to make a play. Roethlisberger kind of, you know, as his career went on and he became, you know, more prolific as a passer, then it started to kind of get away from that. Right. Because, hey, we've got this dude (laughs) now again. And you can look at it before where you have Bradshaw that we have this guy. But I don't know, 25 passes a game, maybe. And and I know it was a different era and and things have changed. So, again, it's different because it happens so infrequently that the history has been defense. But with their just ineptitude on the offensive side of the ball maybe they do go that way it's it's that's a tough one they typically that's more of a character thing you just kind of leader of men we don't care you know what you know which side of the ball you come from it's just okay can you lead can you lead this team can you be can you be the coach for the next 20 years we're not looking for a quick fix. We want a guy that we can ride with. Okay, maybe not 20, let's say 10 to 15. That's always, again, it's it's so infrequent. I can't, I can't really, really say. Do we agree that Mike Tomlin will lose his job at the end of the season? The way uh, it's know, going I, right now. If it were any other organization, I would say without a doubt, because it just looks like, you know, it, a, a desperation move to finally lose this this offensive coordinator who maybe shouldn't have been there to begin with because I think he was I don't know he just wasn't the right guy for the job and because you know we've seen that bear out on the field and now the guys they have in there I don't know that they're really prepared for it and you've got the team just doesn't seem together and that that starts to you know the message starts to get a little stale, you know, all these Tomlin isms that sound really great to us on the outside. If you're hearing those every single day and you've been there for five, six years, it's kind of like, okay, that's just, you know, coach T and he's a yada, 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 whatever the kids are saying, (laughs) but it's like, you know, just noise. And I think, I don't know, years ago, Pat Riley famously, when he was with the Lakers, if you're somewhere for like 10 years, at that point, you know, if you got a veteran team, it's just the, you know, the messaging just doesn't hit the same way. Uh, the energy isn't there. So in this day and age, it, it's probably time to move on. I always felt that Mike Tomlin is one of the most overrated head coaches in the NFL. Even when he had this success, he hasn't won a playoff <laughs> game for God's sake in a long time. And my former partner, who's a Steelers fanatic, okay. Ed Hunt was always defending Mike Tomlin. I hope he's listening <laughs> right now. I think the Steelers have to make a change at the end of the season because it looks like Tomlin has lost the locker room. He just he's, he's not best, getting he's the it. Be- <laughs> he's the best quote in the league. Any soundbite, he would have a job in TV in a heartbeat if that's the way he wanted to go. Um he could still, I mean, he still, I think, would be a, a great guy to have on a team. I don't, you know, once you're a head coach, you know, are you going to take a, a, a demotion, go somewhere to be a defensive coordinator? I, I think know. somebody would hire him right away. I mean, with all these job openings out there, yeah. if the Steelers think? let Mike Tomlin go, 
there's going to be somebody on his phone interviewing yeah. him, and there'll be like two or three owners lining up to get him. He'll have a job in 2024 if it's not with the you Steelers. Would, you I would am, think, and I'm maybe, and maybe just to my point earlier, is that maybe the messaging is completely fresh now with a whole new, whole new roster of players that may or may not have played for him in the past, and with the success that he's had, but with you talking about how overrated he is, do you think there's other people that share in that? I think it's tough when a head coach is fired, but he has a Super Bowl ring, and he's won that division, that AFC North division, many, many times. The pedigree, the owners are going to look at that and say, hey, he's been Mr. Consistent. For the last, what, 15 years, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been that long. They're going to take him off the street as quickly as possible. There might be some people that think that he's overrated, but it's hard to argue with the longevity and it's hard consistency that he has achieved with the Steelers. Even though I think, even though I think another coach could have been just might have been just as successful with the Steelers mm-hmm. as Mike Tomlin because he inherited a very good roster in the beginning. And he kind of ran with that. And he had Ben Roethlisberger there as well. So, uh, I mean, that that definitely helped them. So, uh, at this point, I think there'll be a few owners right away calling once he loses that job. And they'll bring, in, they'll bring him in for the interviews. And they'll love those sound bites. And, you know, he's a tough, hard-nosed coach. I mean, you can't go wrong. Tomlin is going to be coaching in 2024. I just don't think it's it's going to be with the Steelers. Carolina, here he comes. Uh, I think, well, Tepper was a, wasn't he, Ooh, wasn't he a minority? Brutal. He was a minority I, owner in the Steelers before he bought the Panthers. So maybe there's a little bit of a relationship there. And I think he probably feels like we just clean this whole thing up so interesting because i'm sure outside of pittsburgh there was a lot of those whispers about bill cower what does he really do he just looks like he cheers on the sideline and he just runs around and like you know smacking greg lloyd and just rush the quarterback just rush the quarter you know just like little just kind of like you know those were cowerisms some of the things that he would say so there's a lot to be said about it you know some coaches are more the ceo type and just kind of walk around and manage their coaches some are, you know, rah-rah, some are play callers. So they, they come in all shapes and sizes. The bottom line is you just got to be able to lead your team, keep them together, make make fewer mistakes than the other team, and win some games. And Tomlin's never had a losing record. So we mentioned, you know, owners and what they like. They might like that, right? So uh, I guess I misspoke there. All right. Uh, MVP of the week. A lot of candidates. I've mentioned a few already. Uh, Baker, for sure. Uh, what you got, Alex? You got uh, candidates, or are we just going to z- lock in on one? One of these weeks, you're going to have a handful. No, I'm going to lock. I'm going to lock <laughs> in on one, but it's not the one that you're thinking about. Okay, uh, I'm sure you're thinking I'm going to go with Brock Purdy. He's already been my MVP before. I'm going to go with the tight end from the Detroit Lions, Sam, Sam Laporta, Laporta. Yeah, who's having. Who's having a historic, uh, you know, rookie season for a tight end? Seventy-one receptions for nearly eight hundred yards, nine touchdowns. Man, Brad Holmes was 
was criticized for back at number 12, for taking a linebacker at number 19, and then for taking a tight end in the second round because he traded TJ Hawkinson. But you know what? <laughs> all all three, those picks all are contributing. <laughs> all three of them exactly. are like so major It just hits. shows you. It just shows that you can give, you know, a D or an F grade to somebody like the Lions, and then when you turn around and had five receptions for three touchdowns, he got the Detroit Lions, you know, on a winning streak once again. Jared Goff was fantastic with five touchdowns, but you got to give it to those receivers and Laporta for just showing off his athleticism and those, you know, secure hands and this guy looks like a steal i mean he is just putting up historic number how do you go wrong with the iowa tight end i mean seriously i mean going back to dallas clark and george kittle uh laporta hawkinson uh, fant really hasn't hit but you know I, I think maybe it's more opportunity or maybe he wasn't as highly regarded but i think he was he was still pretty highly regarded i think he he uh he was there with hawkinson correct they were there at the same time yeah and he was still but drafted the, at the end of the first oh yeah round. he was yeah but you know laporta the interesting thing about him is he's got nine touchdowns this year he had five his entire career at iowa which you know really more so doesn't speak to laporta's talent because now we're seeing it but just i guess the offensive ineptitude of that program and how they win games is still you know kirk ferentz god bless them they're living in a different time different different era the way they play football at iowa but yeah Annie Annie's a t- and i gotta i gotta assume he's an italian kid so let's let's fly the flag baby him and tommy devito all right so i've got some candidates uh i talked about baker I think he and Brett Favre, that's the list. The only two quarterbacks ever to have, and I'm not a passer rating guy, but it's only happened twice. Perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. Uh, 381 yards, four touchdowns, but more importantly, they won a game they had to have. It was on the road. Uh, Now, the Packers aren't the greatest team in the world, but hell, you go into Lambeau and you put up a perfect passer rating. I got to give you some props. James Cook for Buffalo. Again, the numbers, I mean, don't always say everything. It was his attitude and what he did. Plus, he put up the numbers. He ran for 179 yards, scored a touchdown, caught a couple of passes for 42 yards, scored another touchdown. And he just, from the get-go, I think Josh Allen threw 15 or 16 passes the entire game. Let that process in your head. I think he completed seven. And they won 31 to 10. Is this the Buffalo offense we've been looking for? Was it just a matter of they're playing the Cowboys and the Cowboys just can't, you know, go on the road and it's just laughable? I mean, they're like, you know, the complete opposite of what they are at home. Anyway, James Cook, dominant performance. Last night, Julian Love, two fourth quarter interceptions. One kept points off the board, so they kept them in the game. And then the last one was kind of a walk-off, you know, toe tap. I mean, just an amazing play. Julian Love got to give him the, the defense. Uh, oh, gosh, I was just going to get really corny there. Got to give the defense some love. 
You okay, Alex? That one hit you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that you brought some color Sorry about out that. There. All right. But the, CMC, the, I mean, come on. I mean, this is, I guess this is to my point before, is some of these guys just do things that are so amazing, but you see it every week and it's like, well, you know, that's CMC. But what the hell? Over 100 yards rushing, 72 yards receiving. You know, he ran a touchdown, caught two. And it's just like, oh, ho-hum. You know, that was just, you know, that's just the Niners. Was it Purdy? Was it CMC? Whatever. I don't know. But Lamar also, he didn't put up very good numbers. But again, just the way he managed the game and made plays when he needed to, plays to likely down the field, the plays he made with his legs, keeping the keeping the ball out of Jacksonville's hands. Uh, I'm not going to give it to him, but I got it. That counts for something where, where, where a guy just kind of drags his team across the finish line. I'm going to go ahead with James Cook just because that was such a clutch performance. One, Buffalo needed it. They're still not in the playoffs, but they're certainly on the edge. And they're, I'd be shocked if they don't make the playoffs. But anyway, James Cook. Hello. I mean, this is what the Buffalo fans have been waiting for. I think this is what most uh, of the pundits that like Buffalo coming in wanted to see. I don't know what the hell is going on with Stephon Diggs, but like I said, they only threw 14 passes, and I think he caught four or five of the seven. Uh, I think Cook caught the other two. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, – I, I got to give it to James Cook. Just He just looked like the best player on that field, and he – he kind of won the game for him. Great pick. Will we ever see a running back win an MVP award? CMC. I think CMC. And I think he's tracking for it. That, wow. You know, I mean, you know, Marshall Falk. There's like a couple of guys. I know Roger Craig did it back in the day, and there's some others, and I think Christian has done it himself before. But being on the number one seed and doing it, wow. I if there's a year that a quarterback doesn't get it, I think it's this year with uh, CMC. I remember when, you know, the the running backs were getting MVPs all the time. Right. right? Yeah. In the 90s, early 2000s. That was the, the, the favorite pick. I mean, you knew that if this guy was going to go over 1,500, 1,600 yards, he was going to do it, you know, and score, you know, touchdowns and now it's a rarity. Edger You're almost James, like it's a yeah. foregone conclusion that a quarterback is going to win the MVP, and that's why I'm I'm doubting that yeah, even the that's person the, yeah, I mean, that's gets just the way there, the he's never going to get it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but I just think this is the year where, again, I think it's just this anti-Purdy uh, thought process. For as many people as think that he's the guy, there's probably, you know two or three hundred percent more that don't right and that just say ah he's just a you know, product of the system da, da 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 and these are the people that vote for the award so it's just uh it it's hard but i think like i said do they split the vote i mean does that does that mess both of them up you know like for the mccaffrey guys for the purdy guys and then all of a sudden lamar sneaks in and gets it I don't think so. I, no? I think it's either right. Purdy or a Christian McCaffrey. I don't think Lamar is in this conversation. I think for he me. is. He though. really isn't. I think he is. I thought Alex. he was in the beginning of this season, but I don't think he is right if now. If they keep, I mean, with if all they keep winning, if they end up fourteen, 
This isn't about winning 15 or, you well, know, it, so games. This is about still putting up the numbers. I mean, how can you give it I'm to a guy you, that has thrown for very little? I mean, in terms I'm of telling you, it, he's good. He's going to be up there. He will be in the top Let's three. Let's make a vote. bet, Lou. Let's make a bet. Lamar will not win the MVP award. All right. Let, well, let's, that's just let's do well, it right that's here. silly. I mean, I would have all to right. get like some serious odds. Yes that's or no? One against the other. That's not a you know. That's not a. That's not a fifty-fifty proposition. Low. I'll okay. Take let's go. Then that that makes more sense. Okay. All right. All and right. they play each other this weekend, so that'll be a nice little uh, little tease for next show. All right. So the picks were just uh, let's just say it. they were awful. Oh, and four. Uh, enough said. So this week I decided to take uh, Jamie Foxx's uh, advice, spokesman for MGM sports betting and the app and everything else. Go with your gut. I think Vanessa Hudgens is in there, too. So go with your gut. So I'm going with my gut. Whatever. Thursday night, I'm going with the Rams minus four and a half against uh, New Orleans. I just think that the, the Rams are, are playing pretty solid football right now. Uh, I don't think that game was nearly as close as the score would indicate against Washington. And just uh, McVay's got his team rolling. The other one, I never do this. Double-digit favorite on the road? Are you kidding me? Buffalo is minus 11 at the Chargers. I don't care if that was 20. I'm going with Buffalo. Maybe I'm going against Alex here. I don't know. But I'm taking the Colts plus one at Atlanta, the soft spot that uh, Alex has for Atlanta. I don't care. I'm going with Steichen over, over Arthur Smith. Uh, and then uh, I guess it is it Sunday when did the Niners and, and uh, the Ravens play? That's Sunday afternoon? No, it's Monday. Is it the Monday? It's yeah, because there's there's three games on Monday. It's they Monday, play a Thursday every, pretty much every day this week. I'm, I'm getting all confused. But I'm going to take San Francisco here, minus five and a half. With all I've said about Lamar, maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my neck. But just right now, the Niners seem to be a juggernaut. I mean, it's not even – I don't think it's, it's, it's really close. If they've got all their guys – and it's not like everything has to be perfect. It's just a matter of if they're just playing, if they're reasonably healthy. I don't know if there's a team on the on the on the field right now that can beat them outside of them having an uncharacteristic turnover, like they would, you know, like three, four turnovers, right? Uh, bad turnovers, or maybe points are being scored off of those turnovers. So I'm going to go with San Francisco there. So those are my four, Alex. I'm guessing you have a lock of the week, so let's hear that one. It hasn't been much better than your picks lately, so I mean that's my lock of the week. Because went against Baker last week, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go seemed, the same. That seemed, that seemed like a good route. one. I'm gonna go the same route this week. Like I'm not a Jordan Love fan, but I'm just looking at like they're playing like the Carolina Panthers. Logan. Coming and the back Panthers got lucky the against the Falcons. Yeah, it's minus five. I think it's minus five yep. on the road. I'm going to go with the Packers to bounce back. They've lost to the Giants. They've lost to Tampa. I think they're going to get it done on the road in Carolina. It, this They have to bounce back <laughs> if they want to keep they could really know, stick. They could really stick it to the Bears by losing this game because 
the Bears have Carolina's pick, and right now it's sitting at number one. If they win another game, that'll be three. I think there might be some other teams with three wins. <laughs> so it could get a little dicey for the Bears having the number one overall pick. So if they, yeah, I guess if they looked at this, the rest of the end of the season in a certain way, but they're sitting there at six and eight. They're only a game out of, out of the playoffs. You got the Rams and the, the Rams and the uh, Vikings at seven and seven, but New Orleans and Seattle as well. So anyway, it's it's a big it's a big mess in the playoffs, but that's what makes it so cool. Adding that seventh team, only one team gets a gets a buy. Uh, the NFL just they they know how to make money and just keep finding different ways to make more. So God bless them; it gives us something to talk about. So for it's my like pal, a Hollywood Alex, movie, Luke. yes, sir, it's like a best, Hollywood movie. Well, actually, it's the but best. But you don't want to get me started <laughs> the best in, re- in, with that talk. The or, best reality you know, we, show. We can talk about it next. The week. best reality show on right. TV because we all know these other reality shows are scripted, and the NFL just keeps delivering without a script. So, God bless them. All right. You yes. think so? Okay, let's leave it for another show. All right. Uh, All right. Okay. All right. Out the conspiracy theorist is coming out. <laughs> We're going to go now, gang. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all of you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, Until next time, maybe we win a few of these games. God darn it. Let's go. Peace.